Namaskar. The question of whether ego has a role in the life of a spiritual sadhaka is a very significant question, one that needs some exploration. As long as you inhabit a physical body, that is, you have a physical form, a mind, a brain, a nervous system, a biochemical system, the consciousness that is manifest in that system will be impacted by the system, by the embodiment, by the form. All forms are transient. All forms change. Awareness or consciousness does not change. It is conscious, aware, knows what is occurring. It is a force that is universal, witnessing all that is. It is unchanged, even when it takes form in the cosmic mind, becomes an embodiment of form. Consciousness still remains ever self-resplendent. Aware being is not touched by the coming and going of this world or any other. Yet it is the essential nature of all that is. Without consciousness, aware intelligence, there would be no thought, no existence, for there would be no one to know you exist. No one to know your thought. It is the speciality of the human mind that it is able to become self-aware, aware that there is an underlying presence, consciousness, knower, that knows your existence. This truth is self-resplendent. It doesn't change. Form changes, transforms, always is transforming. When consciousness, the paramatma, the divine consciousness of the witnessing awareness of all that is, is focused on your existence alone, that is the atman, the soul, This aware consciousness that focuses on your being is the soul, the essence, 
of who you are. It knows all your thoughts, all your feelings, the workings of the cells in the body, which are themselves entities, systems in themselves, all complementary, in a complementary coexistence to form what you know as the physical body and the mind and nervous system and biochemical body. Beneath that, there is a subtle body of energy which gets expressed through form in the form, mental forms and in the physical body, in the organs. So there is this layer of karma, this accumulated reactions to experience that have been there from prior lives, from prior experience in this life, that form a kind of emotional body, a subtle body, which affects the mind, the emotions, and the physical form. Many uh, physical elements were considered permanent and unchangeable, such as the growth of nerve cells. But it has been learned that these change, and even the very structures of the DNA and RNA are turned on and off, depending on one's karma, depending on the reactions to past actions. and the circumstances of the life, they may turn on and off. So even the physical structure and the underlying genetics are more fluid than previously known. So in all of this, what is ego? Is it not the sense of self that says, I am a physical body, I am a mind, I am a person who has uh, these past experiences, these hopes, these fears, that wants to survive as an individual. And individual is identity with being in the body and in the mind. And the ego structure wants the entire survival of this complex human form and mind and emotions. It wants to push away that which causes pain and acquire that which causes pleasure, is it not? This is the nature of our human life and human struggle. Ego is that identity the identification with the I-feeling, not with the vast cosmic self, the larger self, but with the small self. This 
witnessing consciousness, this awareness that is Parama Purusha, the uh, infinite being, that is larger, vast. But the ego has only one concern, how to ensure the survival and welfare of the body, mind, emotions, the complex, small self. When mind grows in magnitude and awareness of the cosmic self, the larger infinite consciousness that is underlying you comes into preview It is something apart from the small self because it is vast awareness that identifies with all that is. But in the evolution of being, your unique individuality is comes out of the, the evolution towards the whole towards consciousness, from matter to consciousness. This is known as prati-sanchara, the evolution from matter to consciousness. And you are in that evolutionary process, and as are all beings who have a unique body-mind system that they identify as themselves. So you are in this evolutionary process of change. And from a mere existence comes a feeling of a capacity to do the aham tattva, right? And then the feeling of self, the maha tattva. In this I feeling, I exist, I am, and then the I decides what it is. I am a body, I am a mind, I am these emotional reactions, I am this identity. I am these accomplishments and achievements. I am these failures. You identify and put parameters around that experience of I amness. And this is both your road to liberation and your prison of bondage. It brings you to the knowledge that you exist, that you have a capacity to do things in the world, to create. but you identify with limitation. The ego always identifies with limitation. And because there is identity with limitation, there is a sense of lack, a need to acquire, and a fear of loss. So in this very identity with limitation, I am a 
financial success. I am a great intellectual. I am a great spiritual person of achievement. I am a loser. I have failed in so many ways. I am not as good as so-and-so. All of these identities, be they very self-complementary or very self-diminishing, are the assumptions of identity. The assumptions that you are this or that. It is both your curse and your blessing. For in assuming all of these small identities, you limit yourself and therefore you suffer because you have the need to preserve and to achieve to accomplish, to do, in order to preserve the body-mind-ego structure. And you then engage in taking the pill of fear because you know that these forms are transient and that you must strive very hard to achieve any type of resilience and uh, greatness to your form, to to preserve yourself physically, to preserve yourself mentally, to preserve your existence as an individual. Death becomes feared by all beings because it's seen as an end to your form, which you have closely become identified as you. So the clinging to life, the fear of death, the grasping for what is desired and needed, and the fear, the revulsion of what has what may injure or diminish your being creates the clashes, the conditions that cause suffering in human life. And all of that is based on identity with the small self the ego is the sum total of the identity with the body, the mind, the mental reactions, emotions, all that compose your individuality. Yet your individuality is the gateway to heaven. It is the gateway to knowledge of your infinite self. Because as mind grows in magnitude, 
the ability to sink inward and connect with the self grows. A mind-body that is developed, well-balanced, has optimal ability for self-reflection and to acquire knowledge of the infinite nature of one's own being, acquire knowledge of the knower, acquire knowledge of the infinite awareness that is your true nature. A body-mind structure that is weakened, addicted, um, in the pal of uh, trauma and pain, has much more difficulty to access, not impossible, but more difficult, to access this knowledge of self. If you are starving, all you want is food for the body, and that pervades the mind. Your ability to uh, connect with the deeper nature of being is gone completely unless you have previously uh, developed it to the point where it will remain under all circumstances. For these needs of the body and mind outweigh the need for lasting identity, lasting nature of self. So the development of a balanced, healthy body and mind is key to being able to pursue spiritual life. Development of excess ego and pride, where you feel you are better than other people, or you want to in some way exploit others, leads to delusion in the mind. The sense of self being more important, better than other beings. The other beings become inconsequential and the, the identity becomes so dominant with self and the identity with all life diminishes. Awareness goes down and it is not your friend, this ego that overinflates itself. And the same is true of the ego that diminishes itself, that says, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm no good. Oh, that's for somebody more important or better than me. I can't do this. I can't realize God. I can't know that divine, infinite essence. I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy to take a, a dynamic role in the world. I'm not worthy. This kind of false humility, this 
self-diminishing quality has the same basic structure as the self-inflation quality. Both disconnect you from the truth. A healthy ego, balanced, connects with truth, with the divine nature of all that is, seeing the self in all beings, all beings in the self. The truly healthy ego, with a healthy body, healthy mind, knows this. Bodies do not remain healthy. There comes a time in the life of all beings when age or circumstance interfere. But if you have already done your spiritual work, then these are mere inconveniences of the physical plane. For the truth of what lies within is already known. So while you have the capacity, it is very important to utilize that capacity, utilize the health of body and mind, utilize the health of ego for the realization of the sublime and for your knowledge that you and all beings are truly part of one integrated whole, that you are one with the infinite essence that lies within you. To cultivate the capacity to feel that oneness, to know that oneness with your knowledge, with your intellect, your understanding, so that even as feelings change, which they always do, uh, still the knowledge remains in you, the true knowledge of what is real. You know the real from the unreal. With knowledge of the real from the unreal, with vivek, comes viragya, comes renunciation. Renunciation is the byproduct, true renunciation, not simply deciding to take the orange or something, but true renunciation. Doesn't matter what color clothes you wear, doesn't matter anything that's outside. True renunciation comes as a result of vivek. It comes as a result of deep knowledge of the infinite. This knowledge begins to make all of the clinging and grasping less important. And all of the fear of not having, not acquiring or losing becomes less significant. Slowly, slowly they lose hold on you because the idea Identity is not with the ego self, but with the vast self that lies in all that is and is ever unchanging and undiminished. When the identity moves to that nature, that eternal nature, then it is known that bodies come and go, bodies have health and illness, minds 
result from the physical and diminish with the physical, but the self is the, the locus of identity, the deep self, the, the cosmic self, the infinite is the locus of identity, not the body-mind. So where does your identity lie? To be proud of accomplishments is not ego. If they are real, it is simply factual. To be aware of your shortcomings is not ego, it is simply factual. But when you embellish on them and you indulge in them, then it becomes ego, whether it is of your shortcomings or of your powers, whether it be financial, intellectual, uh, physical, you are an Olympic runner, Whatever your powers, whatever your weaknesses, if you indulge in identity with them, they become your weak. They become ego. If you see them just as what they are, acknowledge them with love, and identify with the pure, infinite grace of the divine identify with that self-aware essence of being, then they have less hold on you. If you use your accomplishments to think you are better than others, that is ego. If you see that you have more knowledge of a subject than another. That is not ego. That is factual information. If you are have a talent that another does not have, that is factual. If you take pride in that a, ta- a, a, a talent to the point where you think another is less than you because they do not have this particular talent, then that is ego. Or if you think you are less because you don't have the talent that another person has, that is ego. If you simply acknowledge that you are not an ath- you are not an Olympic runner, that is not ego. That is factual. Unless, of course, you are an Olympic runner. So ego is both your it is natural state of human endeavor. You will not be without ego as long as you are in a human form. But the state of the ego and the state of your engagement with the kleshas, with the aversion and attraction, that, that state of ego is something that can be transmuted, transformed. And in its transformation, all suffering goes away. All fear goes away. What is there to fear when you know that what truly is never changes? 
And though the appearance of change goes on and on, your body will become dust. And then it, all that is in your body will transform and transform. And new things will be created in this manifest world. But yet, even in all that dance of creation, there is a changelessness, a timelessness behind it. And when you know that you are this changeless, timeless, infinite soul, infinite self, infinite being, then all the changes that occur to your body and mind have less, they do not cause you the same level of suffering. Naturally, if your loved one whom you are uh, uh, used to living with passes away, you will cry. If your friends suffer, you will cry. You will cry for the welfare of humanity. This is not ego. This is love, and it's natural. But will you feel, ah, I'm lost without this or that, or if I gain a physical disability, I'm lost? No. You are the eternal, immortal self. You are never lost. You are never bound. All these identities are an illusion. And when that knowledge is there, knowledge of identity with that which is real, comes the unraveling of the sources of human suffering. All right. That's great.